scratch and sniff. My special guest today began her career writing children's books before penning her own sitcom and scriptwriting her way through some classic EastEnders storylines for over a decade. Since then, she has submitted to what she describes as her natural calling as a healer, a vocation which has taken her all around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, a very warm welcome to Carmen Harris. So welcome to the show, Carmen. Um, before we discuss in greater detail about the life journey you've been on to date, from TV scriptwriter to spiritual healer and beyond, um, I'd like to start with a general related question. Do you think that Western society has lost its way spiritually? Blimmin' hell. <laughs> I thought I'd start with your... Start oh, for ten. But it just also links with your book, um, yeah. uh, happens magic uh, follows although we'll bleep uh, follows i actually think the opposite i think that things are changing for the better really uh, yeah yeah i really think you know wherever i go you know people are speaking the language of spirituality now people um have, have accessed this kind of um um, it's it's not, you know, we've gone from counselling and psychotherapy to actually starting to think about what we are, where we come from. And wherever I go, you know, I used to be the weirdo um, in the group. But now when I start talking about the stuff that I talk about, I'm really surprised how much people are in tune with where I am, where I'm coming from. Um and I just think spiritually we're, we're, we're upgrading ourselves. And if you talk to anybody in the healing community, they will tell you that the earth vibrationally is shifting. The frequencies are increasing. I, I hope this doesn't sound too woo-woo, but this is actually, sci <laughs> it's actually scientific. Okay. That we're all, vibrating, we're, we're all vibrating to certain frequencies, and the earth is as well. And, and um, since 2012, the, the um, frequencies of the earth are changing. It's increasing in vibration. And it's like, it's like everybody's getting a spiritual upgrade. Most people are going through a lot of um, tough times at the moment because they're having to kind of haul themselves out of their old mindset into a newer, freer mindset, if mm. that, any of that makes sense. No, no, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I guess it, it, it's also how you perceive the world as well. I mean, I... I work in news and see yeah. a lot of horrible stuff yeah. every day and uh, and also uh, crimes done in the name of whichever god it is uh, you know different religions and stuff yeah. like that and and I think that can push people away and yeah. feel very isolated from any any sort of spiritual existence what's I, your take on that I think that I think there are two things happening I think you know as you say the world seems to be totally out of control now you know um I, 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 I share a lot of stuff on Facebook from, you know, cops in the US beating up, killing innocent people on the streets to wars being waged in every court. I wanted to swear then every corner yeah. of the world, um, all sorts of things happening. Mm. But at the same time, what you have, especially with the Internet, is like a, an opening up, an awakening, awareness that this isn't it, this isn't what we want, that, you know, people um, realise that there is a choice and the choice is not to actually accept that this, the world has to be like this. Mm -hmm. So um, there are so many people now who are connecting 
on an enlightened level and wanting to make change, especially mm. younger people, mm. younger people who are, um, are being born into the world now, younger people who are setting out and don't have a stake in society because they can't get a job, they, they, they can't find accommodation or housing, they're having to stay with their parents. Their mindset is completely different to the old, to the old mindset. Mm. I feel that there's a fresh wind blowing. There definitely is. Let's um, go back to your early days and influences and let's regress to your childhood. Um, well, I was born in Kingston, Jamaica, but I don't have much of a memory of what it was like. Um, I remember coming over to this country um, at that age, but I don't have a sort of um, any ev everyday memories of what it was like living there. Um, when I came here, I was, you know, kind of dreamy, skinny, thumb-sucking child. <laughs> and... Um, the, the, the thing that marked my childhood, the big thing that marked my childhood was that I was um, seen as a bright child. And I came here at five, past my 11 plus at obviously age 11. And I was destined to go to the, the good grammar school. And it was exactly the same year that Enoch Powell gave his rivers of blood. Yeah, absolutely. Speech. In this country, in 15 or 20 years time, the black man will have the whip hand over the white man. And my parents decided that it was such a racist climate that they didn't want me to be, you know, the black target in an all-white school. And so they decided that I'd go to the local comprehensive with my sister. Mm. So that was like the big thing in my life, the mm. big parting of the wave where... Um, I was destined to go down one track, so it seemed, and in the end, I went down another track. Mm. But do you think, if, any, if anything, that that spurred you on to? Oh, definitely. To, uh, and is that quite, that quite often seems to be a theme in your book, where yeah. when you've reached a certain point, and perhaps you can't go any lower, then you can only be looking upwards. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. That that definitely um, shaped who I am today mm. because. Um, I had to battle through, basically. I was, um, from that point, I was always an outsider, always mm. felt like an outsider. Um, but from that point on, I realised that I really, um, I, you know, I looked around me and I just thought, there's nobody here that I can relate to. And so I was in my little bubbly shell moving through life. But of course, um, that makes sense because the outsider sees more in many ways. Yes, so you yes. obviously were observing and I, soaking it all I, in. I am that person who doesn't mingle at a party. I am that person who stands on at the bottom of the stairs and just watches people. I've always been an observer. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, and you lost your mum at a very uh, early age. That must have been very traumatic. And again, a springboard for uh, f forming you as a person. Yeah. Um, in fact, um, one of my musical choices is Kingston Town. And it, was, it came out in 1970. That was the year my mother died. She was 50 years old when she died. And it was the week of my 13th birthday. So well, that's yeah. that's got to hurt. That's got to yeah. be tough. Yeah. Yeah, hurt for quite a while. There is magic in Kingston Town. Now, obviously, the focus of this interview is about your ability to heal, but we can't ignore or would want to your early career as a scriptwriter. Tell us how that began. 
oh, I, I've been writing ever since I can remember. Mm. I've always entered um, competitions, you know, library writing competitions. I've always been an avid reader, um, a dreamer. And I used to write these little fold stories on folded pieces of paper and um, sell it at playtime for tough money. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like little comics, yes. Yeah, so oh. I was a, a bit of an entrepreneur. Yeah, <laughs> so um, that was my earliest writing. I can't remember what I was writing about, but, mm. um, but you know, people bought it for pennies. <laughs> I just wrote Doctor Who stories, and I, I just anybody who would read it for free, really, you know. I mean, I had no illusions about oh, no, making I, any money. <laughs> I didn't give mine away for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously, I'm a Mr. Trick there. Yeah. Um, so obviously, when you got older and, uh, you know, you started to get more confident, uh, just tell mm -hmm. us about, we'll briefly touch about the script writing, um, you know, your big breaks with uh, working on a national soap for about 10 years. And also you, you had your own sitcom as well. I mean, yeah. that happened quite early for you. Yeah. Well, tell us about that. Well, what happened before then was um, I, I, I started out writing children's books to begin with. Right. I've, I've had four children's books published. And so that, those were the early years because um, I, I found that my daughter was, uh, she really enjoyed stories and I used to make up stories for her at bedtime. And, um, and the natural progression was to actually write up those stories. And oh, how that's, wonderful, that, yeah. how sweet. And one of, one of the stories um, that I made up actually has her name in the book, you mm -hmm. know, the, the main character is the same name. Mm -hmm. And um, and weirdly, it was about um, this first story, which is called Naomi's Secret, was um, about a healer. And, <laughs> you know, so it, it had to be in me from then. Um, but I was totally unaware of this, you know, mm -hmm. it just mm -hmm. came naturally. So, so children's book writing was the first thing. And then the second thing was I set up a theatre company called High Time Theatre Company. Um, as a vehicle for my script writing, my early script writing. It's very industrious for, you know, a young age. Yeah, well, before that, I, I, I just remember that I'd written this, where you say industrious, but it, it was industrious and not always successful because just before then, I wrote a novella and it was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> it was totally overblown, really purple. and um, But the good thing about it was that the dialogue was excellent. Mm -hmm. the, the structure was appalling. And that caught the attention of somebody who worked in theatre who suggested maybe I should um, write for theatre, write for the stage. And, um, and that's how my first play came about. And um, I wrote several others. Um, and that was the beginning of my writing. Mm. And then I wrote, wrote, won a competition, a BBC competition. Actually, it wasn't the BBC. It was Noel Gay. Do you remember Noel Gay TV? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, Paul Jackson. Mm. I yes, won, of course. Yeah, I won a £1,000 mm. um, writing a, a, a small script. And, um, and what happened from there was that um, one of the readers of that competition was working at the BBC. And she asked me whether I had anything to show her. And um, this was in the days before internet. And so I said, yes, 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 of course, yes, yes. And I had nothing, I had nothing. <laughs> if I'd said yes today, she would say, well, can you, you know, send it over, email it or whatever. So I had a whole weekend to bash something out. And this thing that I bashed out was um, the first episode of a sitcom called Us Girls. Mm. 
and Robin Nash was head of comedy at the time. Was it Robin? Yes, it was Robin Nash. I wasn't certainly it? heard of Robin yes. Nash. Yeah. Yes, he was head of comedy at the time, and um, and they used to have these weekly script meetings. You know, a pile of solicited and unsolicited scripts, and they'd you know go through the scripts. And he actually said to me, "Your script stood head and shoulders above everybody else's," and that's how um, my first foray into writing scripts for the BBC came about. It was that's, my... That's fantastic. And yeah. this, so this was for the BBC, Us Girls? Yes, it was um, a BBC One sitcom. Bev, about your outline, I've been thinking. Really? About ways to improve our circulation. I mean, take this main feature from our first issue. What's wrong with it? It's informative, but it lacks... How can I put it? Search? No. Sparkle? Say got nothing to do with sex. Exactly, which is why those subscriptions won't be going like hot cakes tomorrow. Have a look at some of my ideas. Aphrodisiac puddings for the microwave. <laughs> and it, 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 ran, it ran for two seasons, is that it right? It ran for two seasons, and the first episode got something like 15 million, which is unheard of today. Oh, that's brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. I used to uh, write scripts as well, but they would usually be uh, uh, at the bottom of the unsolicited <laughs> pile. But yours were clear at the top, but I, 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 I'll, I'll just get out all this anger now. So. <laughs> so you wrote under the name of Lisselle Kayla, is that yes, right? that's right? And, um, and then you got another extraordinary break in... EastEnders writing for, I think, 10 years as a, yeah. as a series writer or yes, whatever you call a it? Core, a core writer. Core writer. Yeah, because there, there were like, I don't know, 20 core writers who had repeat commissions and on the periphery there were other writers who came and went all the time. I, I mean, I... Me and my partner Andy, we, we are big soap fans. More uh, Corey, although EastEnders seems to be I having like a East, yeah, EastEnders seems to be having a wonderful renaissance at the moment. Um, Do you know what? I, I don't watch it anymore, but I'm sure it's because they bought back all the old characters. Am yeah, I right? It's partially that, and it's part. They have brought new characters in as well, but mm. they've turned it on its on its head. Like uh, the main guy who runs a pub, mm. uh, played by that man. Um, <laughs> oh, oh my God! What that is... man, that man. Oh, you know him. Um, he, he's a film actor, and he's now um, he's a he's a geezer. Talks like that, innit? You're becoming a pest. Rabbit, 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 rabbit. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Um, but yeah, the new family, the main uh, character. Usually, they have them as as uh, they're inherently bad, because it's quite easy for drama, yeah. isn't it, to have yeah. a bad character, it's and that always easy. exhausts me. Oh um, God, so yeah. for a change, he's a good, he's a really nice guy, and the, and they they they're finding that they have just as much mileage, if not mm. more, well, with a nice guy. What? Do you know what? When I started in EastEnders, which was in the 80s sometime, I can't remember whether it was the late 80s, yeah, late 80s, I think. Um, it was all about character. Something wrong. Bianca. You mean you don't know? I have to tell you, do I? Tell me what? I can't believe you're going off to Paris and leaving me here in Blooming Walford. Anyone with half a brain will know what I've been trying to get at all day. What? You want to come? No, Ricky. Well, why didn't you say so? Why should I? Well, how am I supposed to know if you don't tell me? We've dropped enough in tonight. Well, I'm sorry, I've just been too busy concentrating on getting my stuff together. I don't even think. So I can come, then? Well, no-one's stopping you. Oh, thanks. Well, what's wrong? I've just said you can come, and I... Look, if you want to come, you've got 45 minutes, all right? Go and get your stuff together. And... Ricky. What? Get stuff. Bianca. It was very kitchen sinky, and you could have a drama from somebody missing their 
fairy liquid washing up bottle. You could have a drama around anything. And every writer who wrote for EastEnders at the time, and probably now, they all had amazing personalities. And that though, and they were all quirky and they were all funny. And that that was portrayed in, in each and every one of the script. Every script had a signature, an individual signature, and it was amazing. And then it started, you know, to change and you had the big car chases and the explosions and the murders and the stabbings and the patio bodies and... They still have all that now, but, yeah, the, but, but it's, it's a bit more it. balanced. It's a bit yes. more balanced. I just think... Uh, me and Andy, we always feel it's it's sort of the lazy way out. Like, let's have yeah. another affair, let's have another car crash, because yeah. it's it's easy. F- it's there's loads of easy fodder that yeah. b- b- follows on from stuff like that. Whereas, let's just take our time with it and yeah. uh, and, and enjoy the people as real people. So obviously loads of um, experience with writing. When did you first realise that you had, some might say, a gift for healing? Well, I think I've been on this road longer than I can imagine because it all starts with my personality, who I am, what I'm like. And I'm a very, very, very sensitive person. Um, I'm sensitive to a lot of things, you know, I'm totally functioning, but mm-hmm. I, for example, I can't drink because if I drink, I, I, I'm just knocked out completely. Um, I, if I inhale other people's cigarette smoke, um, I, I, I get this terrible pain in my chest. Um, certain chemicals I can't smell um, without feeling sick. Mm. Um, I'm very sensitive to smells, actually. And um, I used to eat carrots a lot. I still do, but I used to eat carrots a lot. I wonder why is it that when I eat a carrot, my tongue is on fire? Mm. And I realised after a while that it's because of the pesticides, the chemicals on the carrots. And so I've switched to organic. And also it happened with tomatoes as well. Mm. So I've switched mostly to organic fruit and vegetables. Mm. So, you know... What I'm what I'm getting at is that in order to be a healer, an empath, you have to feel what other people are feeling. You also have to have a sensitivity to the environment around you, to the the I'll, I'll get on to it later. Oh, but absolutely. The, vi- Makes the sense. vibrations of frequencies yeah. around you. You've got to be able to pick these things up. Sure. Yeah. So um, so I was a kind of walking antennae. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm good at reading people as well. You know, I, I'm like a lie detector. I can tell when you're not telling the truth. I can tell by just reading everything about you, whether you're in alignment or whether you're out of li- alignment, whether you're true, telling the truth or you're telling a lie. That was the other thing. I'm, I'm going to get you to scan me later to, to, to sort me out. To, of course. To... <laughs> I'm up for that. Scratch and sniff. With Nick Randall. So obviously there's various techniques that you use in order to help people. Visualisation seems to be a very strong tool. Uh, Talk us through that and and, and the ways you adapt that for your healing work. Um, Well, visualisation is amazing. You know, we think, oh, I'm just kind of um, making it up in my mind. What we don't realise is that our subconscious is 95% of who we are. 
5% of us is the creative part of us that desires things, wants things, fashions things, creates things in the world. Yeah. But we're mostly driven by programs, which is in the 95% of our brain capacity. And our our subconscious doesn't actually know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. <laughs> so, you know, if and I, I, I wish I could come up with another example on the spur, but this is one in my book. You know, if you were to imagine that you were dripping lemon juice onto your tongue, yeah. um, you'd start your, your tongue would start salivating. Yeah, it is now actually yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> or if you if you thought of um, you know the last horror movie um, that you watched, you might your heart might st- start beating a bit faster. Mm. Yeah, and all we're doing is creating pictures in our minds, and our subconscious is reacting to that. So our our subconscious is a really powerful supercomputer, mm. and you can program it to anything you want. And what we're doing every day is um, because we're pre-programmed by everything that's been put into us from childhood. Mm. Yeah, we're actually operating out of old beliefs um, that we've inherited from other people. Mm. So we're visualizing all the time. We're walk. We're walking and thinking about things in our minds that don't belong to us or we don't necessarily want there but we're so accustomed habitually to thinking these thoughts that what we're doing is is creating our world out there as we think is so so we produce out in the world i mean it's a lot of pressure for us to to absorb so much culturally yep. and everything else i do sometimes think particularly in london but i, I have to admit even though it's a fantastic city Having lived here for so many years now, I, I, I do have, perhaps I've coined the term, London burnout um, mm. with regard to travelling and yeah. just, just the whole... Overkill. Yeah, overkill yeah. And, and just not feeling like an individual and, and being lost in the crowd, yeah. um, having to go to work, having to... Well, just um, every aspect of your treadmill. life. On um, that treadmill. So, yeah, so because, because we're unconsciously programmed... Um, it makes sense to take time out to actually consciously program what it is we want in our life, what it is we want to believe, what it is we want to focus on, what it is we want to create out there in the external world. Every single thing in the external world that you can access with all your five senses was first of all created in the mind. Mm. That's powerful. I always think that's a really powerful thought. Absolutely. There's nothing in front of you that was not first conceived in somebody's mind. Mm. So visualization is absolutely the starting point to to starting to beginning the process of healing and change. Mm. So you think anybody can do this? Um, anybody can heal. Everybody mm. can heal. It's it's a natural extension of who we are. And and, and I haven't really gone into the healing as such because sure we can do that yeah visualization is all part of it but even the 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 sort of woo woo stuff that i Mm. do everybody (laughs) everybody is capable of it you just gotta number one um um, believe that you can do it number two want to do it and number three um pursue it as i did what about people who are in a position, say, perhaps they're, they're fighting in a war or that they have certain, uh, that culturally, that they are told certain beliefs like, um, 
homosexuality is a sin and all that. Do you, do you think the majority of people are just going to follow on and just have those beliefs? Does it take quite a strong person to break free from that and and, and find their own individual voice? Because I, I, I just wonder how many of us, ha, um, we like to feel we're individuals. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it all starts with the notion of suffering, when we take on other people's beliefs and we're not living to our own agenda, it's inevitable that we're going to suffer. Because right. I really believe that we're here for our own unique individual purpose. And if we're running other people's programs, if we're, for example, fighting in a war and, you know, war is not what we were, it's not what anybody on this earth was brought here to, to do, um, to kill another human being, for example. If you feel that um, you're running a program and we all know, we all know deep inside what feels right and what doesn't feel right causes us to suffer and we just need to suffer enough for us to want to explore and look for a way out mm. look look for another answer another way through so it's it's not inevitable no. that we we follow the program and we end our days you know in the program but it probably takes quite a strong individual to say no in an army i mean i, I am thinking of ridiculous examples yeah. here but like you know i mean i'm hoping we're going to resolve and uh, you know sort out world peace during this yeah. hour Carmen. so <laughs> Any tips? <laughs> well, uh, well, you know what? There are a lot of soldiers who've come round and um, become very vocal anti-war campaigners. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who um, end up being very ill or near death, and they they look at their lives and they think, "What the hell have I been doing?" Mm -hmm. and they make the turnaround because they suffered enough. Suffering, yeah. suffering is a big portion of it. Suddenly the scales fall from their eyes. The scale fell, scales fall from my eyes, you know. I was like everybody else, just going to work, coming home, watching television, um, trying to get the bills paid, not enjoying what I was doing. You know, I was like everybody else. But you don't realise you're in the programme until something flips you out of it. And all it takes is for, um, for you to read a book for somebody to say the right thing, for you to notice the right thing, for you to suffer enough along the way. I think it's very clear that you see the glass half full generally in, in, in life, or you've, you've, you've very much um, focused your mind to, to see the positives. I think yeah. some of my questions imply more about where I'm coming from or, or where I can come from mm. sometimes. So let's talk about more about the the, uh, the healing and the processes and and mm -hmm. and uh, you know the people you've helped over mm -hmm. the years. I mean, sort of examples. I mean, it could be from the book or others you've not yet talked about. Um, there certainly seems to be many people who've endorsed your work. Um, well, I've got well over two hundred testimonials from people who have been healed come to me for whatever problem, emotional, physical, spiritual. Um, mental issues, because I believe that if somebody has, has has achieved a turnaround, why wouldn't they want to talk about it? Why wouldn't oh, they want? Why wouldn't they want it out there? So it's never. It's, I, I've never understood why healers have been shy about actually putting out these these kind of testimonials, because then 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 we can see what we're dealing with. You know, no one's making anything up. People have actually come forward and say, look, I've had this and, and, and now I'm better or something's changed in my life. 
Um, well, I don't see anything wrong with that at all. I mean, yeah. you, it, you, you, we need to know what you know what you're made from you'd be surprised how many people actually don't set their stalls out in that way Mm. so how many healers don't but anyhow um how how it first came about for me was um i'd reached a, a stage in my life where nothing was working and um i was on my knees in my bedroom experiencing my dark night of the soul um, my whole financial, professional life had just come crashing down around my ears. And can I swear? Oh, go on then. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> I, I was on my knees in my bedroom and I just threw my hands up towards the ceiling and I said, you know, if there's a God here, what the f- hell do you want me to do with my life? <laughs> no, I, 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 reading this book, there was a big point talking about the novel you were trying to write. Yeah. Now, it's, it's to do with that, isn't it? It was linked it, with it's, that. Yeah, it's, it's, that was like the straw that, that was a big straw that broke. That was a huge back. straw. It was huge. I felt your pain yeah, calm and yeah. I really, really did. There was did. a lot of pain. There was mm. a lot of pain there, but it's all part of the process to bring me to my knees and to. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what I was talking about, about suffering. Mm. You know, when we get mm. to the point of suffering, Things change for us if we if we just let it go, if we just sink into it, if we just surrender to it, which is what I did. And um, and that very week, the universe responded to my call and I ended up at the hospital bedside of a friend of my sister's who was dying of cancer. And um, and I'd been reading a lot of books on healing. I'd been going to a lot of healers. So it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a totally alien concept to me at the time. But I and again, like, like I said, this is a very potted version of it. But mm. I found myself moved to stand over her with my hands raised above her abdomen and what I didn't realise was that the doctor had called away the mother from the bedside and the sister, and he was telling them, look, she's going right now. You have to call the entire family to say their goodbyes because she had wanted to go home to die. Mm. And they said, no, 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 the ambulance journey alone would, you know, she wouldn't last. So, you know, bring everybody here. Mm. And as I held my hand over her abdomen, I felt the most incredible pain heat burning in my hands i'd never ever you know you know those first time Mm. moments in your life you never forget them Mm. i'd never ever experienced anything like this before extraordinary yeah and i knew i just knew intuitively Mm. that this was something to do with healing Mm. and um, and the next thing that happened was that words just came out of my mouth and i was telling this 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 young mother, you know, I know you don't want to die. And if you want me to help you, I'm here to help you. And this is energy and it's feeding you. And all you have to do is receive it. I don't know how you're going to receive it, but find some way of receiving this. And I promise you, you'll be okay. And I was saying this mantra over and over again. And um, and the curtain swished open and it was my sister who'd come to visit. I was alone with her at the time. And, um, and this young lady just opened her eyes as though she was just mildly sleeping. And she was, you know, attached to all these life-saving um, equipment. Sure. And um, she opened her eyes, she gave this huge smile, opened her arms, and she couldn't lift a finger before mm. and just embraced my sister. Mm. 
and um, and amazing. it just yeah it just carried on from there. Just to be very clear, obviously we're saying that you can help people alleviate their pain, etc. But it's not like you're you're making any great claims about curing cancer or no, anything dramatic no, 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 like no, that. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not doing that at all. And mm-hmm. I always say that no healer cures you. No healer cures you. What I do is actually enable the. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I need to take a step back. Yeah, that's all right. That's okay. Take yeah. a step back, my darling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're, we're all we're all electromagnetic. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, this is scientific. We know this. Um, we're vibrating frequencies. We're energy in movement, in flow. And when there's something wrong with us on any kind of level, from physical to spiritual to mental to emotional, um, that's an indication that this energy is no longer flowing the way it should. Yeah? yeah, when our energies are flowing, um, it means that all our systems, all our healing systems, are are are, are working. So we're growing, we're maintaining, we're healing, we're repairing, we're doing all those wonderful things. That's what our body's made to do. Sure. Um, when our energies become stuck because of you know, with the multiplicity of reasons. It could be trauma, it could be a belief, it could be anything at all. But when c- I, c- just to say, I yeah. mean, sorry to, to interrupt, but yeah. quite a lot of the people you heal, yeah. um, they have physical manifestations yeah. of what well, it could Beliefs. be arthritis or, yeah. or, or whatever. Anything. But, but it, it, it quite often you seem to think that it, it comes from totally. something within them that yeah. is manifesting itself. Totally. And, and so if you deal with the cause yeah. uh, of the trauma, could be childhood, whatever, yeah. then the physical symptoms will, will get better. Yeah. What a healer does is that um, they enable through whatever means, through acupuncture, through hands-on healing, um, through tapping, whatever the means, um, they enable the flow of energy to restart. Okay. Mm-hmm. So once that en- once your energy is in flow, your body does everything. So the healer doesn't do it. The body does it. The healer just puts your body in a healing state for the body to do its work. So I would never claim to heal anybody. Yeah. So that's that's how it all started with this young person. Sure. And it's all it's also important for people who are a bit cynical just to have that spelt out to them. Because yeah. I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not me at all, because I mean, I I think there's there's so much in mm. this. And also, it has to be said that writing a. A book like this. I mean, mm. clearly, it, it's a very big, quite potentially quite saturated market. But mm. there's no way I think anybody could write a book like this unless they're a hundred percent sincere. Anyway, and that, that's what? important. As I as I was um, coming here, I, I had a thought because Judge Judy, she's my fave. You, you watch Judge Judy? I love <laughs> I thought her. you didn't watch TV. I know this was in the past, but uh, I did only a year ago. We got Judge Rinder now in <laughs> oh, England. I, no, 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 no. Judge Judy is the one, right. and she I, she always says, you know, um, if you tell the truth, you don't need to remember anything. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just I don't know why the the thought as I was coming here, I thought of these you know ghost writers mm. and I thought oh my god if my book had been ghost written by somebody I'd be coming here terrified yeah, yeah. because I'd have to remember mm. what I'd written in the book yeah, you know yeah, yeah. so there'd be no no authenticity and um, so yeah I, yeah I agree with you I could not have written that book mm. unless it's based on my experiences because Absolutely. I'd be here squirming right now sweating buckets <laughs> 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 yeah scratch and sniff 
You're listening to Carmen Harris on SNS Online. And if you want to comment on this or any other show, then please join our Facebook page, SNS Online, or Twitter, which is Scratch and Tweet. Past shows can be downloaded for free by searching for SNS Online on SoundCloud or Mixcloud by searching for me, Nick Randall. Okay, it's time for Desert Island Risks now, or, or the uh, soundtrack of your life, uh, where you get the chance to pick a track or two which might have some inspiration personally, professionally, or just because it makes your feet tap, or all three. And uh, uh, I think you've got a couple for us, Carmen. Yes, the first one is called Kingston Town by Lord Creator. It came out in 1970, which was the year my mother died. It was a week of my 13th birthday, actually. And I, you know, became quite melancholic. And you start looking backwards um, when something like that happens to you. And Kingston is where I was born and it's very evocative for me, um, that song. It's been covered by Bob Marley in UB40, but Lord Creator was, um, you know, my mother's generation. It's kind of scar beat. It just pulls on my heartstrings, and I don't really have much of a memory of Jamaica when I was there, but I feel I do when I hear this, this track. Then my green will 
track, Kingston Town, by Law Creator. You're listening to SNS. So how do you get to the core of dealing with people's issues um, in a way that you can actually sort of help in the healing process? Every person is different. But on, on a day-to-day level, what happens is that um, we have certain beliefs that we're locked into. And I, I, as I said before, everything is vibrational, but every thought is also vibrational. Mm. Every single thought. And when we think a thought that has a low vibration, it affects this flow of energy that I was talking about. Mm. And when we have a restriction in the flow of energy, it affects that particular part of our body because we don't have, for example, blood flow going there. Mm. And over time, you develop um, muscle problems, joint problems, Mm. um, heart problems, organ Mm. problems. Um, So it's all incremental. Mm. But there's a point of creation. So, So what what happens is we come into the world, we're a clean slate. Um, up until the age of seven, we're, we're all hypnotic beings. We're, we're kind of taking in everything that's around, it, around us. We're absorbing from our parents, our teachers, the environment, the TV, the media, um, church leaders, siblings, everybody and everything. Mm. We're, we're downloading, basically. Sure. Yeah? And... As we're downloading, we're downloading stuff that either serves us or doesn't serve us. So you might be downloading, um, I'm such a clever person, yeah, because that's how your parents see you. Um, Trust me, I don't download that much. (laughs) Or or you might be downloading at that age, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not lovable, yeah? Now, this belief that we have, as I said, is a frequency. Thoughts are electrical in our brain. But when we combine the thought with an emotion, yeah? So, for example, if um, you've downloaded the belief that um, I'm not good enough and that's combined with fear each time you see your father about to, to whack you across the face, yeah? Obviously, I'm not good enough because he treats me like... Um, a, mm. a piece of something. Yeah. Um, the so, brown stuff, as you yeah, call it in your book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that thought, I'm not good enough, is now linked to the fear and the beating heart. Mm. This you carry through life until at some point it's resolved. Mm. What you're doing is attracting in your life the people, the situations, the experiences that echo that vibration. So you will pick the husband who treats you as though you're not good enough. You will, you, will, you will attract the teacher who tells you that you're not good enough. So do, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you set up this, this kind of force field mm. around you and you wonder how comes my life is going downhill? Mm. And that's when you come to me and you say, look, you know, I've got a problem with my heart. And I say, well, it's not necessarily your heart. Mm. It's to do with a frequency, a vibration, a belief that you're carrying around, let's look at that. And and I call it the point of creation. And I'll give mm. an example. Um, I've been going around with this hip joint pain for uh, uh, the last two months, mm-hmm. okay? I knew exactly when that joint pain started. And it started at a time when um, I'd have I'd had a row with another person. Sure. Okay. Mm. And um, 
And I knew that I created this joint pain around that time. And I saw, I've seen lots of healers. And because when you're the physician, you're not healing yourself. It's very difficult to heal yourself. So I see other people. And each time the, the pain has gone and then it comes back again. So I know that there's something there that's not being addressed. Yeah, it hasn't been resolved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just got it. it. It's taken me a long time to do it for myself. And I just got it um, a couple of days ago. There was a name. Each time I thought of this name, I'd feel my heart beating. Yeah. Mm. And I'd feel my, my joint talking a to me, aching. <laughs> aching. And I knew that I'd got my point of creation. Mm. There was a point where I thought of this word, this name, at the time that I was fuming. So my fuming was my magnetizer. Mm. This name was the thought. Yeah. Sure. So each time I thought of this thought, my, my heart would go and it would trigger so it. So there's a bit of a so, Pavlov's dog uh, exactly. vibe going on here. Absolutely. Mm. And so what I had to do was resolve that that um, that frequency. And, and I say um, and this is where it gets a bit kind of intuitive, technical and um, um, when I do things, it's um, it comes from deep within. So it's very difficult to find the words to know how what oh, no, I'm doing. I am, yeah absolutely yeah but what I had to do was delete that word so that word so no longer had a mind body connection mm-hmm. the the mind thinks it the body reacts mm-hmm. so I had to delete that that vibrational effect and whoa whoa what happened mm. my hip pain just vanished it went completely yeah long. and i knew it was you know this isn't a short-term vanish this was a long term because yeah, it yeah. felt very different mm, sure. so that's a really good example fantastic but when you say delete i mean it, obviously but is that that's something that's just difficult right. to put into words okay. presumably well in the same way that thoughts and beliefs are vibrational your intention is loaded with magic and power if you intend, for example, mm. um, I when I'm healing somebody or working with somebody, I use my, the palm of my hands a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I can feel the frequencies around them when something's not right, the, the space um, around their body. I can feel when something's not right in their body because it's expressed outside of their body. Mm. Okay, because I'm very sensitive to that. Some people can see these frequencies, these auras. I can't, but mm. I can sense them. Okay. And um, so when I'm working with my hands, I'm feeling a lot of things. But, for example, if, my, if I was waving my hands in the air, I'd feel nothing because there's no intention there that I'm about to heal now. Sure, sure. I'm just waving my hands. So my hands is not it's sensitive to yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. But the minute I make my intention, okay, we're going to clear this, we're going to heal this, we're going to deal with this, I feel all sorts of things mm. in my hands. So um, when you make the intention that you're going to do something, that is the magical ingredient of the universe. Could you possibly say from somebody else's viewpoint who gets your, obviously, your sincerity and and the fact that you have helped a lot of people, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, um, it could be said that this is more about the power of positive thinking rather than, you know, the the magic and the the spirituality of it. Well, well, get this. Um, (laughs) I heal dogs as well. Yeah, Dogs, you cannot, you know, you can't lay the positive thinking thing on them and <laughs> also babies um i've worked with babies young children um 
And they're the easiest to work with, actually, because they don't have the resistance. They don't pull, put up the, the, the blocks. That and there's no, no ego, basically. And yeah. no ego. And so, you know, they don't know what's happening. All I'm doing is kind of, you know, feeling the frequencies around them and clearing what needs to be cleared. Mm. Um, and the proof is whether or not they feel better. I would say you have a, a very rich perspective of the goodness in life, and uh, and that that comes across in your work and in your book as well. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. Oh God, absolutely. And it, it's it's a it's a real honour to be talking to you about all this stuff because I think it it's so important to everybody, and and we do get so lost in our own <laughs> crazy lives because we because we're so steeped in this body. We mm. so we so conditioned to believing that this is all there is, that this mm. body is all there is. We're all actually. There's a wonderful quote in in my book by Ram Das. We're all just helping each other home, mm. and and home is actually an alignment with our soul, an alignment with our spirit. We forget that we're not just this body, and when, once we realise that, um, life takes on a completely different hue. We realise that we're not alone. We like we re we realise that the force greater than that than us out there and that we can access this force and we realize that visualization is powerful immensely powerful whatever we can conceive we can make real so just as a brief aside what do you think of more conventional ways that that, that help people living their lives in the most optimum way i mean herbal remedies cognitive therapy in some cases pills do you think that could sit alongside the more radical reversion of, of the NHS um, that embrace your approach as well? Well, you know, we are this three-dimensional body. There's no mistake about that. Mm -hmm. And we're also other dimensions that we don't like to talk about in polite conversation. Um, but healers, you know, as healers, it's part of our vocabulary. We're other dimensions. We're spirit. Mm -hmm. And... Because we're both these things, we need to tackle whatever ailments we're suffering, um, sometimes using both methods, so allopathic methods. Uh, if, you've, if you've broken your arm, if you're in a trauma, of course you need a doctor, of course you need a, uh, an ambulance, you need sure. action right there and then. Um, you know, you can't have somebody coming and waving their arms, their hands in front of you. Yeah, Naked but, with loads of uh, mud squished on their so unmentionables. Yes, you know, that's not going to do it. So, um, but at the other end of the spectrum, you know, I get people who come to me who no doctor has been able to help them. They've had operation after operation and they seem to be getting worse. Or they've they've endured years of talk therapy and nothing's happened, nothing's shifted. So, you know, we have to respect both sides. And I never, ever give advice, medical advice to anybody. I always say, you know, if you're worried about anything, go and see your doctor and I will compliment whatever Absolutely. your doctor advises. <clears throat> So we're back to Desert Island Risks now. Uh, you have another track for us. Yes, this is called Harry Hippie and it's by Bobby Womack. And this is very special for me because I met Bobby personally about two years ago. Um, cool. Yeah, I happened to visit him at his hotel room and he'd always been a hero of mine when I was growing up, all his wonderful songs. And... When I saw him, he was in a really bad way. I was really shocked at how bad he was. 
I, I hadn't gone there to do any healing. I'd been, I was there with a friend of mine and I offered to do healing for him. And, you know, he said, why not? And as I started to run, in fact, this is on YouTube, actually. If you search for Bobby Womack, Carmen Harris, Gorillaz, because he was working with Gorillaz yes. at the time. And just to say, there's quite a few of your sort of techniques of helping people on YouTube. Yes, aren't there? yes. So I started to run energy into him and he couldn't believe it. He, he was just astounded because um, I, I didn't know this, but he had um, an injury in his foot where... a bit of glass went into his foot from an, a broken ashtray and he said he could swear that he could feel my hand squeezing that part of his foot where it needed healing and that often happens and um, anyhow I saw him again about six months before he died and he said to me look I just want to really thank you because you added five years to my life and I'm going to get you out to LA and so that you can do some more healing on me but anyway, this track is very, very sad because um, I didn't realise this when I originally listened to it, but apparently it's based loosely on his brother who he always thought was a bit of a, a drifter and a floater and a hippie and not very materialistic at all. And, um, and then when this became a hit, his brother was actually stabbed to death by his girlfriend. Oh, God. And so the song became a bit of an epitaph and um, I just think it's a beautiful song anyhow. Everybody claims that they want the best things out of life But not everyone, not everyone want to fall through the tolls and strides Like this particular fella walks around all day long saying Shine on Lies will sleep in the sheets. Life don't bug him Cause he thinks he's got it made He never worried about nothing in particular Ooh, he might even sell Free press on sunset I'd like to help a man when he's down But I can't help him much When he's sleeping on the ground It's like a bottle of water And just flow through life Walks around all day long singing a song Very hippie She's had his lady Panhandle's pennies Just to feed Harry's baby She can lie down the story So incredible Man, you want to help her Take the food home and put it on the table I'd like to help her, man down. But I can't help you, Harry, if you wanna sleep on the ground. Sorry, Harry, oh, you're too much weight to carry around. But he still walks around all day long singing this song. Shout 
street child, street child. Tell me where will you be going? But oh man, when I get this horn and start blowing, will you hang around LA or hitch a ride on a freeway? Meet an old familiar face at a new place. I'd like to help a man when he's down. How can I help him if it's somewhere out of town? Sorry, Harry. Think I'm gonna put you down. Shana, 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 shana. Everybody help me sing the song. What a smooth operator, Bobby Womack's dulcet tones with Harry Hippie. So tell us about the uh, the um, videos you've been making on YouTube. Well, there's one in particular where you can experience uh, some distance healing and it's where, I, where I'm sending frequencies because there is no time, there is no space. People often think, well, how, how can you do this? Mm. Well, time is, is a human construct. And so we're, we're all existing in the now. There's no past, there's no future. It's all now. So if you're listening to me and I'm sending energy, and again, through intention, you're going to feel that frequency change. So this video, if you're feeling angry at the moment, if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling fearful, um, you just listen to it for four minutes and you'll be instructed on what to do. And you come out of it the other end feeling completely different. So how do we find this? What, what, what are we looking for? What are we if tapping you, into YouTube? If you search my name, Carmen Harris, uh, as well as FAST, F-A-S-T, because it works very quickly, FAST. Check it out, readers. Now, obviously, the self-help book industry is huge. And, I mean, I remember my mother buying a book called um, Bring Out the Magic in Your Mind, which I think is one of the, the quite an early, uh, famous one. With due respect to all the other people who have written it, what's special about your book that you think, you know, people should be picking that one from the shelf? Because I have experienced these things personally. You know, often people talk about the theory of healing, the theory of vibrations and frequencies. I wanted to show people that I actually didn't come into this world as a healer. These things have happened to me to show me the way. The door has opened and I've walked through the door and I've been wondrous and amazed by my discovery. So my book actually, um, it's, it's in two parts. The first part is a memoir. The second part is self-help. So my book is like... Um, I, I'm, I'm taking you through my eyes to see the wonders that I've seen in reality. Mm. I, I've seen what frequencies are. I've seen what vibration means in everyday life. I, I know how tangible healing is from, um, from my perspective mm. and from other people's perspective. Yes, so yes. I'm trying to, to, to show you that in the ordinary there is 
just sheer magic, absolute magic, and it's there for all of us. And I would never have believed any of this years back. Yes, I was a sensitive child. Um, yes, I've read all the self-help books. But, you know, I never, ever crossed the threshold into a place where I could really, hand on heart, believe that these things are real. And then it happened. And then it happened, and I'm so excited that I want everybody to know that this is the real us. This is the real us, and this is what's being kept from us, um, particularly through religious beliefs um, and particularly through... You mean organised religious yeah, beliefs? Organized yeah, organised religious beliefs and, and through the, the unrelenting bad news that you you hear and see, see every day. There is another way. There is an alternative reality, and it exists, and it's all around us and it's amazing well that's a great sell to me <laughs> and i've read the book anyway and i think it's fantastic um i mean just just to, to, to qualify that you, you don't consider yourself religious as such but you're spiritual Can yes we, yeah, yeah yes most uh, definitely absolutely Well, as Carmen promised, she gave me a short healing session in the studio so I could experience what she had to offer. Now, as I've been suffering from lower back pain for some time, this was my focus. What follows is an abridged version of the session. So, um, if you just take a deep breath through your nose and, and just center in your heart. Because you're a bit revved up, because I can imagine when you're when you're interviewing, it's... I'm always revved up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's never in a good way, usually. <laughs> okay. So, mm. So, centre in your heart. Mm. And is there anything that makes you feel calm? Any image or picture or memory that makes you feel calm or relaxed or...? The, uh, the river on the, on the north okay, of the Okay, so just go there. <clears throat> so just think of that river. And as you're thinking of the, of the river, just be in your heart space. Get out of your head, mm. be in your heart space. Yeah? And don't think of time running away. Don't think, oh gosh, you know, I've got to speak now. Or just think of that river. Think of the rippling waters. And as you're thinking of the waters, I want you to just say to yourself, Internally, yes, yes, yes. Just say that internally. And internally, just say peace, peace, peace. And just notice your whole body feeling calm, relaxed. And now what I want you to do is to think of something recently that really upset you. Now, just tell me what your body just did then. I just tensed up a bit. Yeah, where mm. did you tense? Sort of around your chest. chest. Right, yeah. okay. So that's an example of when your frequencies are high, your body is allowing energy in flow, mm. yeah? And at any point in time, an unconscious thought or a conscious thought will come into your head and you will... You, you will have a blockage, an energy block, and you will feel it. Mm. You felt it there, yeah, just in yeah, your chest. Absolutely. So that was just a tiny demonstration. Mm. Yeah. And you can imagine incrementally throughout, you know, if you had a big issue, mm. throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the years, you're going to set up problems mm. in yes. your chest area. And, and that makes absolute sense. Yeah. I mean, in the physical world, it makes sense. Yeah, you know, exactly. regardless of the. 
the heebie-jeebies or whatever you, no, <laughs> you were because, calling. Because your thoughts have a vibration yeah. and it links to your physical being. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. so that's just a tiny, tiny, tiny well, demonstration. That, that was a great, but it, it certainly, I, I, I get a good sort of sense of, uh, of the work you're doing. And your body doesn't lie. Your body no. doesn't lie. Well, a short session and not in the most relaxing of environments. And I can't say if it was Carmen's healing hands or the suggestions she was making. Um, but I can say that I certainly felt something culminating in my back naturally straightening. So regardless of what actually happens, I'm convinced that, you know, this could be a very powerful tool for people. And as they always say, alternative medicine that is proven to work is eventually called medicine. The next stage for everybody is to buy her book. Shit happens, magic follows. Although will bleep happens. So your healing work takes you all around the world. I mean, you've had endorsements, celebrity endorsements. Uh, how far do you think you'll take this? I mean, do you think you might open up a centre at some point? Do you think you'll try to find other people who who have your gifts? Well, my dream is to, because I, I, I love travelling, to combine travelling with healing, with education, because I do teach people um, various methods for self-healing and self-help and I particularly like helping children so I couldn't think of a better life than to travel the world meet people and help people to heal themselves and teach them techniques and be in the sun <laughs> oh god absolutely and you have three children as well uh, have they sort of uh, picked up any healing abilities of their, of their own um no <laughs> not at this point my son um when i first started doing this he used to say to me do not tell anybody you do this weird stuff. <laughs> and, um, and, and and now things have changed. You know, his, his teenage um, friends, they turn up on the doorstep and they knock the door and they say, I've come for the healing. <laughs> and it's the sweetest thing. You know, they come for exam nerves. They come for football injuries. Fra um, fractured eyelash. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and now he's very proud. You know, the first thing you'll say is, you know, in fact, he did it with his girlfriend. He says, Mom, you've got to help my girlfriend. And um, so, yeah, he's, he's quite open and proud about it. But he, he, no, 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 he doesn't do any of that himself and neither neither do my daughters either. Right, OK. They're recipients. But I, I am aware, I mean, this is going off-piste, as it were, mm. a little bit. But uh, just to say, because it, it's so cool. Uh, mm. But uh, one of your daughters has inherited your uh, creative streak, at least. <laughs> Yes, yeah, she's an actress. She's an actress. It's, yeah. it's Naomi Harris, everybody, who was in The Tomorrow People. I know she's got this amazing, fabulous career. James Bond, Pirates of the Caribbean, 28 Days Later, White Teeth, Winnie Mandela, all that carry on. But to me, she will always be Amy Jackson in The Tomorrow People. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I discovered her. I like to feel I discovered her personally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do pass on my regards to Amy Jackson in tomorrow's peoples. So, Carmen Harris, thank you so much for coming here tonight to talk about your book, Shit Happens, Magic Follows, Allow It. We will bleep the poo word. Actually, um, if you search for shit, you won't find it on Amazon. It's S-H um, asterisk 
tea. Mm. Well, that's so, far more ladylike, yes, and I should yes. think so too, Carmen, yes. honestly. <laughs> and uh, it's printed by O-Books. Check it out on Amazon. And uh, is it in the shops as well? Barnes & Noble in the States, and I'm not sure what shops here in the UK. But easily, easily sourceable. Yes, well, yes. it only, only remains for me to give you your celebrity goodie bag, because you've been such a wonderful, wonderful guest thank today. You, thank um, you. Do take this. Oh. Thank you so much. Uh, I hadn't uh, expected this. There's herbal teas. Oh, my there's, um I should have put Jostics in. That would have been quite appropriate oh, for you. it's heavy as well. Uh, oh, oh yes, it's uh, the champagne, which apparently you don't drink. We keep, oh. we keep, I keep meeting guests oh. who don't drink champagne. That's Case, all right. My friends drink a lot. Pa- pass it on. Yes. Pass it on to your friends. And there's so, so some chockies as well. Oh, so, thank you so uh, much. Just fantastic. Carmen Harris, thank, thank you very you. much. I've really enjoyed it. And our thanks again to the wonderful Carmen Harris. Our next show also has an EastEnders connection with actress Anne Mitchell joining us in the studio from Widows to Walford. But until then, from me, Nick Randall, goodbye. Oh, King, stand down, the place I...